Eternal Rock of Ages, we thank you so much for this wonderful day that you have made. We thank you for all that you have taught us so far. We thank you that we, we are your children, we are your people, and you are our God. We, didn't, we have not evolved from any inanimate objects. Oh, hallelujah. And so, Lord, even at this time, we are praying that, God, you will speak to us. Oh God, use me to minister your word. And may your name and your name alone be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. David, a song. That's a song complete by Parachute Band. Walk on, Lord, then I 
this song about 10 years ago. That was before Christian and I left for the United States. And ever since I've been singing this song because the lyrics mean so much. And uh, the name of the song is Complete. It's Complete by Parachute Band. And it talks about uh, the realities of our faith. You know, the work that God has called us to is really a work of faith, isn't it? There are ups and downs. There are times you have struggles. We don't always understand everything, do we? And so, you know, this is the thing. It is in those situations where we don't understand anything, and at all times anyway, that we trust in God, isn't it? Faith is about trusting in God. Faith is not about having all the answers. No. Faith is about trusting in God. Which report are you going to believe? Or whose report are you going to believe? Whose report? The report of the Lord. Does the Lord tell you everything? No. Do we, should we trust in him? Yes. Because the Bible says, you know, we should trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. You know, they talk about Calvary there. I mean, it's not saying that we are going to go to the cross of Calvary. But he's saying that we would experience sometimes situations that could be likened to what Jesus experienced, not in its entirety, but something like that, to what Christ experienced on the cross of Calvary. You know, on the cross of Calvary, he was abandoned, wasn't it? 
He was humiliated. And that's when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God actually forsook him because our sins were upon him. Hallelujah. You know, sin and holiness do not go hand in hand. Praise God. Hallelujah. My text is going to be from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. The same text I used last week. And in a few moments, I'm going to ask you some questions. So there'll be a quiz. If you, if you, if you, <laughs> if you answer all the questions, we'll give you puff puff. <laughs> Sorry, I'm joking. <laughs> But I have to say that I like that puff puff. It's very good. <laughs> but somebody's not puff puff, okay? But anyway, Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30 says, and I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. For those whom he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son and ultimately share in his complete sanctification so that he would be the firstborn, the first beloved and honored among many believers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, declared free of the guilt of sin. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity. Amen? Amen. This was our text last week. Do we remember what we talked about last week? Can anybody volunteer? One thing that you want to share with us about last week. What was, what was the title of the message last week? All things work together for good. Ah, Sister Fama, bless you. Hallelujah. All things work together for good. Amen? And we said a number of things about that, isn't it? We said to those that love God. Thank you, Pastor Theo. That was the rabbi asking for me. Okay. Praise the Lord. Um, to those who love God. And we went on to say that, you know, loving God means basically obeying scripture. Loving God with all our hearts and with all our soul, with all our mind and with all our strength. In other words, loving God with our whole being. If we love God with everything in us, then he has full control. And it follows that we would be thinking his own thoughts and we would be doing his own will, isn't it? Hallelujah. When we think or ponder over things, then the Holy Spirit will instruct us. And that is what God wants us to do, right? Which is why the title of this message is Molded into the Image of Our Lord. Molded into the Image of Our Lord. Hallelujah. Not only do we have all things working together for the good of those who love God, but that God himself is interested in doing what? In 
getting us to be conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Being molded into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And I hope that as we go along, we will see what that entails. Praise the Lord. I just want to say one or two things about communion. We had communion last week, isn't it? Why? Because that's the first Sunday of the month. And we did talk about the connection between Passover and communion. Now, what's Passover all about? It's a, you know, ceremony, isn't it? That's... Sorry? A feast of remembrance. A feast of remembrance, okay? Thank you, Pastor Tony. A feast of remembrance. Remembrance for what? The deliverance of the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. Amen? Amen. And then let's turn our Bibles quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I just want to pick out something there before I go into the main message. Okay, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11 and verses 23 to 26. Okay? Now there it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Then 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. It's quite amazing, isn't it? That on the one hand, Passover was about remembering the deliverance of the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. And then communion, on the other hand, is what? Remembering the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it was Jesus saying that we were going to be killed or anything like that, you know? I mean, we are all going to die, isn't it? Amen? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. But I think what Jesus Christ was referring to was that in serving him, we have to die to self. We have to die to self. So as we remember... The death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, we see the Son of God, the Son of Man, God the Son, who humbled himself even to death on the cross. He let go of everything so that you and I would be reconciled unto God. It cost God something. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we said that, and we said now, uh, we quoted, you know, that the, well, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, and uh, that God's, you know, thoughts towards us are to bring us to an expected end. And Isaiah 55, where God says that his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and his ways are higher than our ways. So I think that it is fair to say that, you know, the degree to which things work out for our good is dependent on our love for God. The blessings of God are not given to glorify the devil. The blessings of God are given to glorify him, isn't it? Okay? So, and then everything that God does or permits is for the purpose of us being conformed to the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you really want to be like Jesus? Are you prepared to walk with him? 
Are you prepared to lose yourself in him? Are you, are you prepared to abide in him? Are you prepared to let go and let God? You see, until these things are evident in our lives, then, you know, there is still somewhere to go. Hallelujah. I mean, throughout life, we're going to be doing this, isn't it? Praise the Lord. But I'm going to connect the Old Testament and the New Testament today. I'm sure some of you already know this. But if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, and then you can read the whole of that passage, 10 to 18. I'm just going to read verse 18. And I'm going to read verse 18 from the New King James and from the Amplified. All right? You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul was talking about the experience of the children of Israel. Remember when, when Moses went up to the mountain, isn't it? He stayed with the Lord about 40 days and 40 nights and he came down. Man, his face was so shining that the, the Israelites could not look up at his face. And so Moses had to cover his face with a veil, isn't it? And that continued for quite some time within the camp. So that is what Paul was referring to. Okay? What he said here, and from the New King James, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Um, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Okay? I would advise you when you read Certain, verse, or verses, certain verses in the Bible, and you don't quite understand, look for some other version, and it might just shed some you know, further light on that. Now, if you go to the Amplified, the Amplified says, And we all with unveiled face, continually seeing in a mirror the glory of God, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, it is important to note, God will stop at nothing to make you and I conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the primary objective. Every other thing is secondary. Which is why the Bible says, you know, we know in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I've never, I don't know about you, I've never had any problem, you know, understanding that God will provide all my needs. There's no problem. That is what he says, isn't it? God says what he means, and he means what he says. The issue very often is that of whether we are in his will. Are you in the will of God? Do you love God with everything in you? Because if you are in his will, you can rest assured. What God has said about you will come to pass in the name of Jesus. No demon from hell can prevent what God has, you know, established for you. No demon. Hallelujah. Amen. Which is why we must allow the process of sanctification to occur. Now, there are some denominations that talk about, uh, um, what is it now? Uh, full sanctification, entire sanctification. You know, they say it's the second work of grace. I've not seen that in the Bible. In the Bible, what you read is that 
Sanctification is a progressive act of God, isn't it? We are constantly, you know, progressively being molded into the very image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the point about that is this. That God already, before the creation of the world, saw your life and he had determined where you were going to be, say, on the 12th of September, 2021. If for whatever reason, you are not there yet, it means that there are some things that you need to do before you move forward. Amen? I remember when we were in school, um, there were some students who had to repeat a class three times. They spent, some, people, some students spent three years, four years, even five years in one class. Why? Because they never passed the final exam. Terrible, isn't it? Now, you can say that, you know, things of God are pretty much that way. You have to pass the test in front of you to progress. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, today we do not need a veil, but we are privileged to behold the glory of God. What for? To be transformed into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, was that, was that a New Testament thing? Not really. Because it was something that God had already established before the very foundation of the world. Turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. And you will see that God had already determined that that was going to be the main thing he wanted for man. Are you there? Says here, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Was Jesus there? Yes. Was the Holy Spirit there? Yes. Was God the Father there? Yes. That is why we have us, isn't it? Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over all every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and do what? Multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Amen? You see, God said, let us create man in our own image. And then we read in Romans chapter 8, that we are to be conformed to the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Really amazing, isn't it? Ah, God is good. But I just want to spend a few moments here to, you know, I don't know the right word. I just want to scatter, as it were, a misconception. I think it is a thought from the pit of hell. God did not create man to be a God with a small g. You don't find that anywhere in the Bible. You know, some time ago, I've forgotten how long ago, 
I was listening to uh, a video broadcast by Creflo, Creflo Dollar. And this is, this is the argument that came forth. He said, well, animals give birth to animals of the same kind, isn't it? So a dog will give a birth to a dog, a donkey to a donkey, a cow to a cow, an elephant to an elephant, and so on and so forth. An orange seed will give rise towards an orange tree. And he said, well, if that is what happens, then according to him, it would be right to say that, well, God gave rise to God. And so we are small gods. You see, this is the problem that we are facing in the world today. The problem of humanizing God and deifying man. God is God by himself. If God was intended to create small gods, he would have said, let us make gods in our image. Said, so let us make man in our image. It's very important that we understand this. Because out of this misconception have arisen all sorts of things that have been condoned within the church. Praise the Lord. God created man in his own image. He created man in his own image. The Bible says in Romans 8.29, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So the primary plan of God was to create man in his own image, in the image of his son, Jesus. And we have seen that the Old Testament and the New Testament agree on this. Amen? That is it. So the question we want to ask ourselves is, with regards to being conformed to the image of Jesus, where are we? You know, the Bible talks about the disciples of Jesus, isn't it? And they were going somewhere. And they noted that these guys were uneducated. In other words, in their reckoning, you couldn't listen to anything that they had to say because they, according to them, they had no knowledge because they were uneducated. But the Bible also says that they noted that they had been with Jesus. They noted they had been with Jesus. As we walk this earth day to day, can people say that about us? Oh yeah, it's very easy to tell somebody I am a Christian. Now it doesn't say in that passage of scripture that the disciples began to broadcast that they were Christians. It says that they noticed or they noted that they had been with Jesus. There was something about Jesus that the people saw in them. That is the point. Is that possible today? Yes, it is possible. You know, I've, I've always heard people say, well, God said, you know, the Bible, God, God said, be ye holy as I am holy, isn't it? 
Hello. Now the whole the word holy in that passage of scripture does it mean any other thing? Is there any other meaning for the holy? Is it a tainted holiness? No. Is it 50% holy? No. It means be holy as God is holy. Why would God tell us to be holy if it were impossible? Doesn't make any sense, does it? And then you see, out of this has a reason, this kind of mindset, well, I am imperfect. It is not God who makes us to be imperfect. It's our choices, isn't it? It's we ourselves, right? So if we abide in Jesus, would we, would we be imperfect? No. No. We would be complete in him. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. In fact, let me read to you Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10. I hope you are understanding where, where I'm going with this this morning. You know, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, uh, I read from verse 9. Says uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 says, For in him dwells all fullness of the Godhead was bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. We are not complete in ourselves, we are complete in Jesus. So if we're going to walk in completeness and holiness and perfection as God wants us to, it means we must abide in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, somebody. You see, the degree of our imperfection is the degree to which we are separate from Jesus. Now that's something to think about. And my brother, let me announce today, there is nothing preventing you and I from abiding 100% in Jesus apart from ourselves. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Nothing. It's the enemy who whispers, you know, things into our ears to make us think, well, you know what, I am imperfect, therefore I cannot attain the standard that God has set. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Otherwise, why would Jesus have died on the cross of Calvary? For what? Doesn't make any sense, does it? Hello? Now I know that, you know, in, in reality, we tend to make mistakes, isn't it? We tend to do all things upside down. I am well aware of that. But the fact that we do things upside down doesn't mean that that is what God has planned for our lives. Otherwise, why would we go and confess our sins? The Bible says if we confess our sins, what? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So very often when we mess up, we go to God and say, Lord, forgive me. And of course, if we are sincere, he will forgive us. Praise the Lord. Hello. Hmm. What does it mean to be conformed to the image of Christ? What does it mean? Hallelujah. What does it really mean? I'm going to read Philippians chapter 2 from verses 5 to 11. If you can bear with me. Before I read that, I want to say that it means to abide in Jesus, reflect his beauty, reflect his holiness, reflect his righteousness, reflect his power, Reflect his humility 
and fruitfulness. Now, that is not an exhaustive list, so I want to say that again. It means to abide in Jesus and to reflect his beauty, holiness, righteousness, power, humility, and fruitfulness. Hallelujah. I want to be like Jesus. I don't know about it. I'm sure we all want to be like Jesus. Praise the Lord. I want to be like Jesus. He's everything that we need. He's our Lord and He's our Savior. He's our King. Hallelujah. Can you tell, give me a better example to follow? Are we going to follow, please, with all due respect to the Queen Elizabeth? Are we going to follow Queen Elizabeth? No. Are we going to follow Joe Biden in America? Are we going to follow Bo Bo uh, Boris Johnson? No. And please, don't try to follow me. Follow Jesus. Now, I know what I'm saying, please. I'm not saying ignore. I'm not saying, well, you can do... Well, how do they say? Say, do what I say, don't do what I do. No, 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 no. I am fully aware of the fact that I have to live by example. But the point is this, is that Jesus is the standard. That's the point I'm trying to make. Jesus is the standard. And so I want to say, like Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. My brethren, I just want to say this. If we are not attaining to the standard that God has set, then we are allowing the enemy to kick us about like a football. And that's why you have, you know, many Christians, you know, going, you know, their lives are like, you know, a roller coaster. May God help us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. I'm reading the Amplified. Look to him as your example in selfless humility who although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted, as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it, but emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a born servant and being made in the likeness of men he became completely human but was without sin being fully god and fully man after he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man for a divinely appointed time he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the father to the point of death even death on a cross for this reason also, because he obeyed and so completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Amen? Amen? So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in submission to those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and to every tongue will, and that every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, sovereign God, to the glory of God the Father. That's a big passage of scripture. We don't have time to go into everything. But the point is this. That if Jesus is not our standard, then some other thing is our standard. 
And sometimes we don't have to say these things. It's by our attitude, isn't it? It's the condition of our hearts, right? How we behave will show what standards we uphold. And make no mistake about it. We may not say these things, but it will be evident. As time goes on, it will be evident. Hello? After being a Christian for some time, you can tell who is genuine and who is not genuine. I remember when I was an unbeliever. I was at school at Oyo. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Just before I gave my life to know Christ, there were two of my classmates. Two of my classmates. I remember. I said yesterday. Now, I remember the one who had, who, you know, um, how can I say? He represented Christ. When you looked at him, you really could sense that this was a guy who was devoted to the Lord. Amen? His name was Jide. I've forgotten the name of the other one. Praise the Lord. But they used to go to the Christian Union meeting. So one day, we're in the classroom. And uh, I told that, that classmate of mine, the one who was the you know, pretender, I said, look, let me tell you now. As for Jide, I know that he will go to heaven. I, this, this was me speaking as an unbeliever. I said, as for Jide, I know that he will go to heaven. But if it's you and me, let me tell you now, I will enter heaven before you. <laughs> Why was I saying that? Because I do see the guy was a hypocrite. Pretender. And the people in the world, they can read us, isn't it? Hello? It's not about how much you say, I am a Christian. What are you? What do you represent? What are you showing? Can people see Jesus in you? Can they see his love in you? Can they see his power in you? Can they see his humility in you? What do you have to show that you are a child of God? Now, I'm speaking to myself too. Because that is the key, isn't it? We are being conformed into the very image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Which brings me to, you know, as I bring this to an end. You know, there are two things in Christendom. I mean, there are some other things. But there are two things, mainly in Christendom, that has caused a lot of problems. One is pride. The other is disobedience. And they are linked. <sighs> In fact, let me say this. You cannot have pride without disobedience and you cannot have disobedience without pride. They go hand in hand or hand in glove as they say. The one who is proud disobeys God. And the one who disobeys God is proud. Because when you disobey God, oh, what? What are you saying? Uh, my way is better now. I know God, God, look, God, let me tell you. I know everything. Uh -huh. I can plan my life. I don't need to listen to you. That's what we're telling God. Is that true? No. Can our small brains deal with all the problems we are facing in life? But humility and obedience are the unmistakable unmistakable traits of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Humility and obedience. That is why in Philippians chapter 2, as I read, the Bible reminds us of how Jesus humbled himself 
unto death on the cross. Amen? So let me say some things about pride that I found from the Bible. Now, pride is the, is the, is the opposite of humility. You know, the English say it is self-conceit. Me, I put my own definition there. I said it is the I, me, myself syndrome. Amen? Have you ever met a proud person? Hello? What is the one thing that stands out? I. 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 Mm. Me. Ah, myself. Uh. Yeah. I am able to do this. I did this. I did this. It reminds me some years ago, we had a family, well, an acquaintance. He went to the United States to read, to do some, you know, studies. He studied business administration. You know, in those days, MBA was a big thing. So he qualified, got his MBA. When he came back, nobody would hear anything. Every sentence, when I was doing my MBA, when I was doing, you know what? People began to avoid this guy. Because they were tired of hearing when I was doing my MBA. If you have an MBA, don't you know that some people have two or three? If you have a PhD, there are people who have three PhDs, not, not, not honorary PhDs, PhDs that they read for or studied for. There is nothing to brag about. Nothing on this earth to brag about. Nothing. In fact, even with your PhD, there's only a small area that you are, you are an expert in. And if you're not very careful, you might even lose that knowledge because things are evolving every day, isn't it? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, when I say evolve, I'm not t- talking in terms of evolution. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, this is what the Bible says about pride. First of all, you can deduce from the verses of Scripture that God hates pride. Proverbs 8.13 says, To fear the Lord... Proverbs 8.13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. And God said, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Okay, that's Proverbs 11.2. Proverbs 16.5 says, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. May God deliver us from pride in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen. Amen. Of course, disobedience is the opposite. Failure to obey God's rules and commands. We have the typical example of the children of Israel who, because of disobedience, roamed around in the desert for 40 years. Where were they going? In essence, they were going nowhere. Nowhere. You see, they had, there was this kind of appearance of movement, but the movement was, didn't achieve anything. For 40 years, they were moving, but yet, they hadn't gone anywhere. And that is what happens when we disobey God. There is an appearance of movement in the things of God, but basically nothing is achieved. May God deliver us from that spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. It's terrible, isn't it? 
So the question now is, why is obedience so important to God? Well, I, 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 I got this. I'm not, not the, I'm not the author of what I'm going to read to you, you know, right now. All right? And in the next five minutes, I'll be coming to the end of this sermon. I read, it said, obedience demonstrates our faith and trust in God. Obedience is the key to our success. Obedience is the sure and promised way of unlocking blessings for our lives. For us to be fully able, for us to be able to fully obey, we must read his word every day and ask God to empower us with his Holy Spirit so that our life is going to honor him. Hello. You know, very, very often when we talk about you know, you know, disobedience, there's a tendency to think about things like fornication, adultery, stealing, isn't it? Lying, even gluttony and all that. But the Bible says, if we know what is right to do and we don't do it, to us it is sin. If the Holy Spirit wakes you up 3 a.m. in the night to pray and you don't pray, guess what? You have committed sin. If the Holy Spirit tells you to stop and witness to somebody who is by the street and you say, well, Lord, I am in a hurry. Guess what? You have committed sin. If the Holy Spirit tells you, put 30 pounds for offering and you say, Lord, I can, I only want to put 20 pounds. What have you done? You have sinned. Hello? Hello? That's the truth, isn't it? Because if you don't do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, you have committed sin. If the Holy Spirit tells you, husband, love your wife, why did God tell us husbands to love our wives? Is it because we don't love our wives? Why? Because he knows the heart of man is like, you know, it, it, can, it can swing left, right, up and down. The love we say we have for our wives is something that is with all due respect, including myself, if you really analyze it, it cannot compare to the love of God, can it? And if we are going to function in our relationships, we must have a love that is higher than our own love, isn't it? The love of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, somebody. Oh yes, your wife may cook a good soup one day. But those who are my they will tell you. It's not every day you cook good soup, uh, Mr. Avion, is it? Uh-huh. So if you go to the kitchen one day and then burn the soup, what am I going to say? Or what's, what's your husband? I mean, uh, Pastor Nara going to say? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, you must love, Pastor Nara, you must love her and close your eyes and eat the soup, isn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. My brethren, this is, these are the facts of life. Okay. My sisters, God bless you. Guys, you, you do a good job. God will reward you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We cannot reward you. It's only God who will reward you. Sometimes we men, we are like, you're swinging up and down the place. And you are very patient. Yeah. But on the same, in the same vein, God says, what? Wives, submit to your husband. <laughs> Some of the wives will look at the husband like this. You didn't shot man. How can I? <laughs> How can I submit to you? <laughs> when you speak 
You speak, you make mistakes. You can't even speak a correct English sentence. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny, isn't it? But it's true. That's, that's what's happening. Hmm? You can't even make money. I'm making more money than you. How can, how can, how can I submit to you? Oh, my brethren. You know, God wants us to really reflect the beauty of Jesus, isn't it? Because that is what is going to touch the lives of people. In your place of work, in your home, on the streets, praise the Lord. As the light of God shines in and through you, people will see that you are different. Hallelujah. And they will glorify God in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We are not going to run away from this fast of life. But the Lord will help us to walk by them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Oh yes. The primary objective of our existence is to be molded into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is possible, like I said, to obey all of God's commands if only we look up to Jesus and abide in him. And we can go ahead to say that holiness, purity, righteousness, and love are all possible in Jesus. They are all possible in Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 5 that without me you can do nothing. That the converse of that means that with him we can do all things. We'll do all things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so to round this up, let's turn to Romans chapter 12. And I'll read 1 to 3 and then we'll be praying in the next few minutes. Hallelujah. You know, you have to ask yourself the vital question. What... Who does God want me to emulate? And a time and time again, you'll come to the conclusion that he wants you to what? Emulate Jesus, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Because that was his plan before the very foundation of the world. He created man in his own image. Now, Romans 12, verses 1 to 3 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies... Okay, what does that mean? Dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed that we begin as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and, accept, and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. So, I'm going to say three things and then we'll pray. Number one, I'm just lifting from that, lifting these uh, sentences I'm going to read out now from that verse. Number one, we need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is our rational, it says it's rational, reasoning, you know, logical and intelligent act of worship. Faith and reason are not mutually exclusive. Okay, they go hand in hand. Number two, do not be conformed to this world. Today we are talking about that in Sunday school. The world is coming up with all sorts of scary ideologies. Amen. There's this thing, this is nonsense about by non non non-binary pronouns. Have you heard that? Non-binary pronouns. Do you know what that means? They are rejecting pronouns like he, she, they, them. 
and they're settling for things like Z, T. What is wrong with the world we're living in, for goodness sake? I mean, can you imagine? Where did Z come from? Z-E. Where did they leave that one from? Huh? And there are people who are saying, you cannot refer to me as he or she. They are saying that I am neither male nor female. So what are you? <laughs> God help us. Oh, if the world has not gone mad, then I don't know what madness is all about. Huh? But this is the thing that the Bible says we should not conform to. Amen? Do not be conformed to the world any longer with the superficial values and customs. And then the last one, be transformed. Okay? If you are not conformed, you should be what? Transformed and progressively changed. In other words, you should be growing in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You should be growing. Tomorrow should be better than today. And two days from now should be better than tomorrow and so on and so forth. Praise the Lord. If through all what I've said, you find out that there's something that you're lacking in. Call upon God. God is ready to make a way where there seems to be no way. In the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Ah. Hallelujah. Let me end by telling you this little story. And then we'll pray. Okay? Being molded into the image of our Lord. Praise the Lord. So I opened my Facebook uh, account and I saw this text. Somebody had written something, and the person, she was, she's, she, female, was sounding so angry against men who left their beards. Now, some men, because of their age, right? If you're middle aged, your hair turns from black to gray. So she was so angry, and then she was accusing them of not looking tidy and all that. Ha! <sighs> Maybe I should not have responded. <laughs> you understand? But I responded anyway. I said, look, we are in a free world, isn't it? People have the right to leave their beards. That's their own choice at the end of the day, right? If they want to shave, they shave. If they don't want to shave, that's their own business. So there's nothing to be quarreling about. I didn't insult her. <laughs> Hi! <laughs> this, woman, this woman attacked me seriously. Say you are stupid. <laughs> you are wicked. I said, Lord. <laughs> no, seriously. I had to turn to Krishna and say, what have I done? <sighs> man, oh man. And I was thanking, you know what? I was thanking God. The reason I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this, I was thanking God because if it were in those days, <laughs> goodness me. The kind grammar we are put in that place. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know, God kept me calm and I kept on answering her and telling her, look, you are the one assaulting me and abusing me. I've not abused you. But the truth remains that we are in a free world. Do you know what happened at the end of the day? At the end of the day, although she did not apologize, she saw that she was wrong. Amen? May God help us in the name of Jesus. The Bible says offenses will come. When offenses come, what will you do? May we be molded into the very image of our Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Pray. I want you to commit yourself unto the Lord, my brethren.
This is the real deal. God wants us to be molded into the very image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God wants us to reflect the beauty of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the humility of Jesus. And at this time, I just want you to pray. If there's anything that you have identified or the Holy Spirit has turned your attention to, just call upon him. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Lord is more than able to bring about a change in your life. Whatever it is that you are struggling with, call upon God. The Bible says, God said, call upon me and I will answer you. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. If you find that you have a short fuse, because some of us have a short fuse, ask the Lord to help you. If you find that you're dealing with impatience, you know, some of us will find it difficult to suffer fools kindly. I mean, that's something that I personally have had to ask the Lord to deal with, and he has done a great job. Hallelujah. Many of us, we don't suffer fools kindly. God can touch you in that area. Just ask him today that this week, as we step into this week, God will help you to be a true ambassador for Christ. He will help you to be a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will help you to speak words of wisdom, words of power, words of knowledge. He will help you, you know, to be able to give an answer for every question that is asked about the hope that you have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you. Thank you, Lord, because you have reminded us of this fundamental principle of our faith. Lord, a lot of what we have heard today, we have heard before. But we are asking for grace to put this into practice. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, we have seen today that it was your original plan before the very foundation of the world that we should be molded into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You said, let us create man in our own image and that happened. And in the New Testament, we have, you know, scripture after scripture confirming your plan and your purpose for our lives. Lord, we pray that that will come to fruition in our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. I pray that if there's anyone here who is struggling with one thing or the other, that, Father, you will visit that individual in the name of Jesus. And that their lives will never again be the same in Jesus' name. Help us, Heavenly Father, not to run away from the truth, but to stand upon the truth and run with it in the power of the Holy Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for hearing. Thank you, Father, for answering. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.